Get your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter 6, everybody. Romans chapter 6. And um, we've been in a series of messages that we called Identified. Identified. And what I really wanted and what I felt like the Holy Spirit really wanted to do was to speak to the issues of identity in a culture where identity is shifting and changing and things that used to mean things don't mean that anymore. And now we're not sure what means what. And, and quite honestly, and this is, I'm, I'm trying to be, I, I want to be very, not just tactful, but compassionate with everything that I say. But it hurts my heart to watch the number of people that, um, I watched a video the other day from a young, I, I would say young lady. She may actually find that offensive. <laughs> It, you know, to me, gender and sex is actually all the way at the cellular and DNA level. It doesn't really matter what you call yourself. If they dig you up a thousand years from now, they're going to identify you based on your genetic makeup, which is male or female. There are no other genders to be used. Um, I understand a culture where we have kind of this idea that gender is a social construct um, but it was sad for me. I, I would call this young lady a lady, but she was like, my, the pronoun, my pronouns are very confusing. And I'll be honest, she's right. I watched the video. I was completely confused. I have no idea if I met this lady, if, I, if she's a him, her, a she, he, a them, they, or, or something else. I don't even know after watching her explain it to me. And this is what I thought. I thought, my God, this poor little girl is created in the image of God by a loving father. And between the enemy of this world, working in culture, she, she has no clue who she actually is. And without the grace of God, we'll never find it. And, and I thought, apart from the grace of God, so go I, as Paul said. Like, without God's grace, right, then, then I would probably never figure out who I was without the grace of God. And it just broke my heart. But, I, but this is the thing. This is the culture in which we live. And I know... Like, I've listened to messages, I'll just be honest, by other pastors, and uh, they're not willing to say what I'm willing to say, apparently, and that's probably wisdom on their part. Um, <laughs> probably is. I don't know how to help unless we, act, instead of talking around it, why don't we talk about it? And the truth is, we have a, a culture in an identity crisis. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting to me, we want to use science to discredit God, and so we hold science up as the standard. What science says is there's male and female. That's what science says. There's no place in science that gives us any other sex or any other gender than male and female. But concerning that, science is not sufficient. So we mute the science on the things we don't like, and we max it out on the things that we feel like make our argument. And I'm like, well, where is the standard? Like, what are we doing? Like, how do you live in this world where this world of relativism where everyone's truth is their truth. Well, how can you have 7 billion truths? Like, who gets to be the standard? I felt like the other day, you know, I was driving down the road and I didn't get pulled over, but I thought, um, you know, if someone pulled me over, can I just say, I just don't believe the speed limit's what it is? I just, I don't identify as a fast driver. I don't identify as a speeder. Um, I identify more as a slow driver and, uh, like it's, you know, I mean, where is, where's the standard? Um, and we live in a culture, this is another amazing thing, and I'm going to say this, and then everybody can, you know, write me emails. We live in a culture where race is sacred, and let me say, I think it is sacred. 
think race is sacred. And race is genetics. We live in a culture where race is sacred and gender and sex are not. Gender and sex are genetics. Right? Like, isn't, it's just, to me, it's, it kind of, like, why is it that way? I don't know. I think the God of, the little God of this world has done an incredible job at, um, with his agenda. I'll just put it that way. And his agenda, let me give you his agenda. He is against the kingdom of God, and he hates every person. So what you need to understand today, we're not just free willing through this with free choice, and it doesn't matter what we pick or choose. You need to understand there is an enemy who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's the words of Jesus, not the words of Marty. Right? He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And he is working to kill, steal, and destroy. And what he knows is if, if we become the people that God created us to be, we will do the work that God created us to do, which, which is, is an assault on his little kingdom. So what he has done really well is, is so distract us, and, and I don't want to use, there's several words I like to use, but they'd be offensive, and I wouldn't mean them that way. What he wants to do is hinder us and keep us from knowing who we are, and becoming who we are, so we can't do what we're called and created to do because that's a threat to him, right? So he went upstream. Like, I can fight the war on what they're called to do, or I can just fight the war on who they think they are. And I'm telling you, in a lot of places, not all places, but a lot of places, he's doing an incredible job, right? And this is where we need the church to hold the standard of truth. And the reason I'm speaking, like, I don't really expect a lot of atheists to watch me and have their lives changed by me. But I think as a church, we need to know what truth is because we have to represent it. And we have a lot of church because culture has done such an incredible job. We have a lot of church people who are confused about genders and identities and those type of things. All right, you're still here. <laughs> Some of you are like, we picked a good week to be here. <laughs> Somebody's gonna throw a tomato at him this week, Rose. <laughs> Anyways, no, it's it's um that's my heart. My heart is and, and I understand people have to be able to accept truth and receive truth. And like I said, there's a lot of people outside the faith that would, would never listen to me, and that's fine. But for our church here as your pastor, I, I have to come back and say, Okay, let's find true north and realize this is true north, this is truth, this is right. And this is what we believe. And not just that, but why? Why we believe that, right? So <clears throat> Romans chapter 6, we got all that to get to here. Romans chapter 6, uh, this is a fun one. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? There's a lot of people that, you know, we say, well, that seems silly. It's in the Bible. There are a lot of people today that feel like because of the grace of God, and I love the grace of God, we're going to talk about it. But the grace of God doesn't give us a license to sin, right? It, it does not. It Thank God we're covered if we do. And probably all of us are going to sin at least one more time before we die, right? And if you're like, oh, not me, you are such a hypocrite. You are already lying to yourself. You're sinning right now. And we're, and we're not even going to throw a rock at you, okay? But he says, certainly not. In, in the actual Greek language, this is the strongest rebuttal without using an expletive that you can use. 
So, so like Paul's being very clear, and he says this a couple of times in Romans and Galatians. Like, how can we, you know, how, are, are we supposed to just go on sin because God is so good? Do we just live in sin? He's like, no, this is not what grace is for. Grace is, grace is not about giving us the um, freedom to sin. It's really about giving us the power to not, okay? How shall we who, and then he starts explaining why, and he gives a few reasons how shall we who have died to sin live any longer in it? Now, I'm going to talk, all, I'm going to spend the whole time on this, these few verses because I, we have to understand them. And I think a lot of people sometimes don't really understand because it can be a little bit confusing. So this is what he says. How can we who have died to sin live any longer in it? How can we have died to sin? <laughs> so much I want to say on that verse. Um, and we're going to talk about it. Okay. And and then, or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death, therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of God the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. So Paul is talking about we shouldn't be in, you know, like we don't make an excuse to sin, and we don't make an excuse to sin because something died, and because something died, something's new. We got to understand what Paul's talking about. He says this, verse 5, For if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin would be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. There's a lot of theology in, in that. That's, and it's good theology if you exegete it properly, but... Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has a dominion or has dominion over him. Now, he's telling us something about Christ. He's also telling us something about us in that verse. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God likewise and I use this version for this one word. Likewise, you also reckon. I just like it because it reminds me of my grandfather. As, you know, I reckon we ought to go. You know, I reckon we should. You know, Granny's got dinner ready. Why well, I reckon we should go eat it. I just, anyways. Um, likewise, you also reckon. It's, this tells me Paul was from the South. That's why I really like it. He, yeah, he probably had some sweet tea and cornbread, um, and like like real sweet tea. Like pour it over your pancake sweet tea. And real cornbread, you know, the kind that pretty much tastes like cake. Mm -hmm. Like have you ever had the cornbread that doesn't taste like cake? I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Like I bit into something one time like, oh my God. I thought they'd cooked it with salt or something. I was like, I don't understand. Anyways, for likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I call this message changing identity, because that's what Paul's talking about. Changing identity. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we have gathered here to hear from you, and really no one else, just you. So speak to our hearts and change our lives, and don't let us miss this moment. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. So Paul, obviously, the book of Romans to me is the greatest, uh, like, like it's the greatest explanation. It's, it's like Paul's exposition, if you will, on the grace of God. But it has so much incredible theology in it. 
Romans 6, a lot of times, and the reason I want to use this text today, it applies to all of us, but it also, he's talking about water baptism, and he's talking about why we're baptized. And so there's several things converging here. The grace of God, he uses these phrases like our newness of life and our old man. And a lot of times, I think, if, if you haven't been in church very long, depending on how you've studied the Bible, um, and, and let me, this is just a little note. Let me just say this. If you are a believer, you should not just read the Bible, but study it. Amen. I got one person that understood that. <laughs> I, I'm going to do a series on the Bible and studying the Bible in January because it was the number one thing we were asked at the, uh, at the survey at Easter that we do. It's very helpful for me. But a lot of times people say, I don't understand the Bible. Here's what I'm going to tell you. You won't understand it until you study it. So we have the Holy Spirit who will help us, but he's not going to help us till we actually open it, right, and read it and, and ask the Holy Spirit to, you know, and I'm all for, someone asked me which, uh, oh, I hate to get off that. Okay, I'm going to talk real fast and get back. I'm all for like the daily devotionals and those type of things. I'm all for those, and I'm, I would never say that you shouldn't read those at all. I personally do not. And it's not because I'm against those at all. No, not at all. They're very encouraging. I've read them in the past. I don't have like a doctrine against devotionals at all. For me, I just like to read the Bible. And, um, and so to me, I, of course, I know a lot of it I understand. There are parts of it, I, frankly, I don't understand. There are parts of it none of us will understand until we meet Jesus, right? So you have to understand that. But to me, I like to study the Bible book by book, um, because I like to really get in what the history, who's the prophet, who's the king, what's going on, you know, those type of things. But you have to study the Bible if you want to understand the Bible. And the thing about devotionals, and I'm not saying you should give up your devotional. Typically, a devotional gives you one verse, you know, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice because I've written devotionals. And we take that verse and we write a devotional about the power of rejoicing. Rejoicing is a choice. And as we rejoice, that is where joy comes from. And those are biblical concepts and truth and should be applied. But the truth is, you still didn't know that verse came from the Philippians, or Paul's letter to the Philippians, which he wrote in prison. And, you know, once you start understanding the context and why he wrote it, it just changed. So you should study the Bible. That's, oh, good Lord, why did I do that? Anyway, study the Bible. Okay, now, now, Romans chapter 6, all right? So here is Paul. Um, and Paul is, is talking to the Romans and he's been talking about the grace of God and, uh, and sin, etc. I just have two points and we're just going to work through these. I'm really just going to try to explain this as best I can. The first one is this, uh, this is, this is what he tells them, which is what he tells us. We have been made new, right? This, this is what he says. Look what he says. Romans 6, verse 4, he said, Should we continue in sin that grace would abound? Verse 2, Romans, or verse 2 says, Certainly not. How can we who have died to sin live any longer in it? So, so we got to understand a few things right here. Number one, you need to understand what Paul means by sin because Paul probably doesn't mean what you mean by sin. Most of the time when we talk about sin in our culture, we are talking about an action or an activity, right? In other words, sin is something we did, right? Does that make sense? Like when we go to repent for sin, we're thinking about things that we did, right? Right? Paul, in the book of Romans, uh, when he uses the word sin or some derivative thereof, it's used 49 times in the book of Romans. 47 of those times, it is actually not a verb. It is a noun. Okay, let me explain because I know you wanted to learn grammar today. 
So two out of 49 times, it's a verb. The other 47 times, it's a noun. A noun is a person, place, or thing. A verb is an action, activity, something, something you do, correct? So most of the time, like almost all the time, 99% of the time, or 97 or whatever it would be, 96% of the time, when Paul is talking about sin, especially in the book of Romans, but similar in the book of Galatians, etc., he's not talking about what you did last night or last summer. He's not saying, I know what you did last summer. He's not saying that. Um, he's actually talking about, and this is what you need to understand, he's actually saying sin was a place we were. So I'm going to use this analogy because this is kind of the one that he uses in Romans 6. So he almost draws this picture, and he said, we were in this, and I'll say this, this prison camp of sin, and we were held in this place of sin by the law. Because God's standard is not good, it is perfect. You need to understand this. God, we are not saved by doing good. We're not saved by doing more good than bad. I, there are still people who believe, well, if I just do enough good, God's going to let me in. Unfortunately, good is not his standard. Perfect is his standard, right? Um, <laughs> he even, James even says, if we've ever broken just one, the smallest part of the law, we're guilty of breaking the whole thing. Um, Paul would even say anything not done in faith is sin. He says to know to do good and not do it is sin. Why are these verses so stringent? Because God's standard isn't good. God's standard is perfect. Are you with me? And so we are held by the law and the law tells us we're not perfect. It tells us that we have lust or it tells us that we committed adultery or it tells us that we lied or it tells us that we coveted. The law tells us, hello, you're not perfect, right? Which actually is good news because if we think that we can be good enough to have a relationship with God, we'll continue looking at our own righteousness, which according to Isaiah is filthy rags, and we'll never look for the righteous one who comes to make us perfect. Are you with me? So we were in this prison camp of sin. We were held by the law. There was no way out. The only way out was to die. It's the only way to get out of this prison is to die. So what's Romans 6 telling us, right? Because Christ died, I can die. Oh, this is good news. I, it doesn't, you're like, I don't want to die. Well, we're going to talk about what die means in a minute because you're like, I don't want to die today. We're not, no one's going to die today. Not this way. Not the way you think, but maybe this way. All right? And so here's what he said. In, because Christ died, I, in the likeness of his death, die. And then I can be resurrected. And he says, now in this place of righteousness. Right? So I couldn't get out of the prison camp of sin because you don't get out of here on good behavior. You have to be perfect, right? Hebrews 10, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. You have to, the standard of God is perfect, not good. Uh, Hebrews 12, to, he's writing to the, to, to the spirits of just men made perfect, right? So we talked about when I come to Christ, there's a perfect work of grace in my spirit. That's what saves me. It's immediate and it's thorough and it's complete. You are saved. You're as saved as you can ever be. 
right? In your spirit. But you had to go last week if you missed it because we're three parts, spirit, soul, and body, right? They're still working our soul, our body still. So we have been saved. We are being saved. We will be saved, right? So his standard is perfect. So, so in Christ, when I receive Christ, I die. We're going to talk about what dies so that I can be raised, right? And now I've passed from or been translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his son, And now my position in this kingdom is held by Christ and not by me. If my behavior can't get me out of the prison camp of sin, my behavior, once I've received Christ, can't actually get me back into the prison camp of sin. And you need to understand this. And I know it makes legalistic people very nervous because I grew up with them. And right now they're wanting to shout heresy and run out of the room. But listen to me, listen to me. You're going to have to decide if you're saved by your performance or Jesus. That's what you're going to have to decide. Are you saved by the grace of God or by your own goodness? And if you are saved by the grace of God, you are sustained by the grace of God. I need his grace just as much today as I did to get me out. I'm still relying. It doesn't matter how much Bible I know, how many life groups I've led, right? What kind of... Bible school I went to, whether I've been baptized, if I take communion every third Wednesday, it doesn't matter what I do because I'm here by grace through faith, not of works, not that I should boast. It's a gift of God. And if I got here by grace through faith, that's how I stay here by grace through faith. It is not about what I do and it's not about what you do. And if today someone cuts me off and I say a wordy dirt, I will not go into the prison camp of sin because my behavior is not what moves me. It's grace in faith or faith in grace. Those two things, but we have faith in his grace. Are you with me? And you got to understand that because if not, you're going to struggle. We talked about that last week. So the standard is perfect. So so here's what Paul is saying. He's saying something died and something new. So now we got to talk about what's he talking about? Well, here's what Paul talks about. In the Bible, and he says here, talks about an old man. Paul also references in Ephesians 4 and Colossians 1, a new man. Here he calls it newness of life or a new life. So Paul in his writings talks about an old man and he talks about a new man. And then he talks about flesh. So which am I? Yes. Right? I'm not a schizophrenic and neither am I. Right? So and I don't mean disrespect by that. I'm sorry. But, but we need to understand these three things. So let me tell you what they are. So according to the Bible, um, when I was born into this world, right, I, was, I, have, I have flesh, right? I have a body, I have a soul, right? But I had an old man, according to Paul, I had an old man, or we would say an unrenewed man, or a natural man, or a sin nature. Let me ask you a question. Did anyone in here have to go to a class to learn how to sin? No one went to that class? No, right? Did it, would we say our experience, by and large, was it was pretty natural to sin, Right? Pretty natural to sin, right? Sin's fun, right? You're like, no. Listen, if sin wasn't fun, I wouldn't have a job. (laughs) If you're just like, no, sin's not fun, you didn't do it right. (laughs) 
Now, we would all say, the wisdom side would say, yeah, it's fun for a season. And, and, and then that train comes to a very abrupt stop, right? Because as one, one Southern fried preacher used to say, sin will take, uh, take you farther than you want to go, keep you there longer than you want to stay. <laughs> right? So we don't want to live in sin because sin hurts. Sin's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt somebody, right? Does that make sense? In fact, Paul tells us we don't want to live in sin. He tells us in this passage because we become a slave to it. And because it gives the enemy access into our lives, it also will cost us the blessing of God, not, not the grace of God, but it will cost us some of the good things that God wants to do in our life. Are, are you with me? And it's going to lead to pain. That's why, that's, by the way, that's why God's against sin, by the way, if you don't understand, because God's really against you getting hurt. He's against his, his kids getting hurt. So, so there's a lot of reasons. That's a whole different sermon. So the old man's this unrenewed nat natural man, sinful nature. What is the new man? It's the renewed man or the resurrected man or the nature of God. We'll give you some verses on that. So, so there's an old man and a new man. What's the flesh? Well, the flesh is where they hang out. Right? The flesh, that's, that's you. That's your mind. That's your will. That's your emotions. It's your soul. It's your body. So your flesh is kind of your soul and your body. Does, does that make sense? So what Paul is telling us is what died is this old, unrenewed, natural sin nature. That's what died. Listen to it very carefully. And he says it died when you came to Christ. It died. Not it is dying. Because there are a lot of people that believe that I'm in the flesh and I still have an old nature and a new nature and they're warring with each other. And if I read more scripture than eat Oreos, my new nature wins. Are you with me? And that's not, you, because you, you have to understand, this text is so good in Romans 6, you have to understand that in Christ, that old man died. The reason you need to understand, because that old man didn't have a choice about sin. He was just good at it. He was a natural. Right? And he, he was compelled to sin. The old man was compelled to sin. That's the amazing thing about grace that Paul teaches. Because of grace, I now have a choice concerning sin. Before I did not. Right? I was going to lie just because lying seemed like the thing to do. I was going to cheat because cheating seemed like the thing to do. I was going to fill in the blank. Right? But, but now I ha have a choice. So he says the old man died. So verse 3, he says we were baptized into Christ, so we were baptized and buried into his death. Right? This is the significance of water baptism, by the way. What are we doing water baptism? Well, what we're doing is we're going under, right? And we're leaving the old man in the ground. We're burying him. Because it's really weird and it's really hard to walk in a new life dragging a corpse. Right? We don't want that. Are you with me? So the reason, you need to understand, baptism is a, is, a, is a lot of people say a testimony of our faith, and that is very true. It's a testimony of our faith. It lets people know that I've accepted Christ and intend to follow him. And in the New Testament church, that was the altar call. Baptism was the altar call. They didn't do the bow your head, raise your arm if you want to accept Christ. No, they said, if you want to follow Jesus, meet us at the Jordan. We're going to put you underwater. That was just the way it was done. But you need to understand there's a power. It's not just a sign. There's something that happens when, when our flesh is cut away, when the old man is buried. Are you with me? Verse 4 says, we are buried with him through, through baptism. So, so there is an old man, but there is a new man. This is uh, Romans four, 6 verse 4. 
Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism. There it is, into death. What? That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of God the Father, even so we walk in newness of life. So this is what Paul's saying is there's something new. So we need to understand if you've been saved, right? Something old died and something new was raised to life. You need to understand that Jesus did not come to make you a better you. He came to make you a new you. He didn't come to make you a more religious version of you. By the way, this is why religion cannot save you because remember, it doesn't matter if I can quote the Pentateuch. It doesn't matter if I can quote the book of Romans. It doesn't matter if, if I put you know ver Bible verses on my Instagram every Thursday. That is not what saves me. Faith in the goodness of God and the completed work of Jesus on the cross is what saves me. It's the only way for this to die and that to be raised. And so what you have with religion, and this is why Jesus kept running into religious people, is because they were dead and didn't know it. They were still the old man. They had not been resurrected. The new man had not been resurrected. But because they knew how to act churchy, they didn't even realize they weren't alive. And they were still trying to earn their way out of the prison camp of sin. And that's why Jesus said, you're, you're like a really pretty tomb. Like you're the most beautiful tombs I've ever seen. So ornate and so decorated. You have little flowers and everything, but you're dead on the inside. Why? Because the old man, is, that's all you have. There's nothing that's been resurrected yet. Are, are you with me? So religion can't, can't save you. Nor can religion sustain you. Jesus did not die to bring us a religion. He did not come to bring us a religion. He came to bring us a kingdom, and he came to make us alive. Are, are, are you tracking? So, so according to Paul, there's a new man. Ephesians 4 says um, that the new man is made to look like Christ. Colossians 3 says we're renewed in knowledge. This new man, we're renewed in knowledge according to the image of Christ. According to the one who created it. So, so then the Bible talks about some new things. So this is cool. So something died, something's new. What's new? Well, according to Ezekiel, you have a new heart and a new spirit. Like you need to know you're new. We're, this is what Paul's telling. He's like, why do we not sin? Because we changed identity. If you want to live free from sin, you're going to have to understand what I'm telling you. And that is you're not who you used to be. It doesn't matter how you feel. I'm not asking. Flesh feels. I'm not asking you how you feel. I'm telling you spiritual facts. I'm giving you truth. And the truth is, you're not who you used to be if you've accepted Christ. Are you tracking with me? And, and so, so this, he, Ezekiel says, I'm going to take out their heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. I'm going to renew a right spirit in them. You know, I'm going to give them a right spirit or a new spirit. Sorry, I put Psalm 53 in there and that one. Wrong verse. All right, so Ezekiel, are you with me? So a new heart and a new spirit. Peter says this. This is a cool one. Second Peter, and this one really, to me, hits the heart of the issue. Peter, Second Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, that's a good verse. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Notice knowledge. In other words, he's given us all things, but it's based on what you know. You can have something and not know you have it. It's a whole other sermon. Okay, by, verse four, by which we have been grant, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them, look at this, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. 
So here's what Peter just said. You have a new nature. So I have a new spirit. I have a new heart. I have a new nature. This, this is part of that. We're now talking about a, a new man. Are you with me? So I need to understand. Listen to me. I need to understand something. something. When I came to Christ, the old me died. And there was a new man that was resurrected. So I am new spiritually. Remember how we talked about salvation is immediately and permanent and, and, and perfect in our spirit, but then progressive in our soul? Well, this is talking about what happens in our spirit. I'm immediately made new. I, am a, I have a new identity in Christ. Okay? Are you all tracking? So here's really, here's really the crux of it then. Here's the second thing. We have to learn to live as the new man. Right? This, this is the Christian walk. We have to learn to live as who I now am because I've changed identities. There was an old man, and he was a mess. Right? But now I'm a new man. Come on, Brooks and Dunn, I'm a brand new man. Right? Now I'm a new man, but, but I have to learn to live based on who I now am, not who I was. Reading verse 4 from the NLT, Romans 6, verse 4, it says, For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of God, we also may live new lives. We may live new lives. So, so here's, here's what Paul's telling us, is there's a new life to live. So really the question becomes, well, how then do I live? This, this is what I want you to understand, because a lot of people, if you don't know that you've been made new, right, then, then you'll live. So think about it this way. And we're talking about old man, new man, and flesh. Think about it this way. What happened is, right, there was an old man. Th this was my operating system, all right? And all of my apps ran based on the operating system of this old man, right? So that could be my sexuality, my way of thinking, my emotion, my anger, my desire for Oreos, whatever it is, right? Because this operating system ran, drove all those apps, right? Because the flesh is the apps. Think about this. The new man's the operating system. The flesh is the application. It's what does what it does. So what happened? Well, I got a new man. That one died, right? We did away with Windows 3.1. Does anybody remember Windows 3? <laughs> it came over on the ark. Um, we did away with that, right? Now what are we in iOS 15 or something? If you're, yeah, if you're a Mac, Mac person. So we did away with that operating system, but I've got all these apps that have not been updated to synchronize with the new operating system. Are you with me? So my flesh was programmed by the old man. This is why it's possible for the old man to die and the new man to be resurrected, but I still crave Oreos. Right? Instead of arugula. <laughs> right? Because if that new man was really in charge, man, I'd probably be eating spinach and arugula and think, man, it's the greatest thing ever. And I'm okay with spinach and arugula, but they're not as good as Oreos. Let's not get silly. <laughs> but what happened? Well, I got a new man, but it was instantaneous. But I got all these apps that haven't been updated. So the way I think or the way I feel, what I crave, what I'm attracted to, what I desire, none of that's been updated. 
So the question is, well, how do I get it updated? Isn't that the question? But you need to understand, listen, and I know I keep saying it, you need to understand the old operating system's gone. Because if you don't understand it's gone, you're still going to think that's who you are. And as long as you think that's who you are, you think all of these desires that are congruent with that are just who you are. No, no, no. The flesh is who you are, but it was just programmed by who you used to be and now needs to be reprogrammed by who you now are. So don't look at an attraction or a desire or a feeling or a thought or whatever and, and let that tell you nothing changed. No, no, you're a new creation in Christ, right? But you got some apps that need to be updated because some of them won't work anymore till you update them. Are you with me? So then the question becomes, how do I update these apps? Well, Paul tells us in verse 6. This is so cool. He said, knowing this. Time out. You got to know something if you want to be new. Think about it. You got to know something. This is back to Bible study. Like you got to know. It's not just enough that it took place. You got to know. There's some things that you, and I know you got to know is like terrible grammar. There's some things that you must know. Right? There's some things you you got to know. <laughs> I just like saying it that way. That's me, right? You got to know. And, and here's what he says. This is what Colossians 3 says, that this new man is renewed in knowledge. In knowledge. What you don't know about you is killing you. What you don't know about you is keeping you trapped. What you don't know about you is just keeping you going in circles, right? You got to know that the old man was crucified with him that's number one, that the body of sin might be done away with and that we should no longer be slaves to sin for he who has died has been freed from sin. There's three things. Paul's like, here's what you need to know. You need to know the old man was crucified. The, the body of sin was done away with and you've been freed from sin. So let me talk about those really quickly. So Paul number one tells us what we've been talking about. I need to know what happened when I accepted Christ is that old man died. We've talked about that, right? I need to know. It may not felt like he died. Maybe there are times it feels like he's still alive and I still think like him, but I need to know. That's just my flesh running the apps that it's been running based on the operating system that it had. That doesn't make it right. It makes it just something that needs to be reprogrammed. Are you with me? Okay, so he died. Now, why? And then, and then he says this, so the body of sin might be done away with, right? So what is the body of sin that needs to be done away with? Well, my mind. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your, it's my soul, it's my flesh. It's like, right, I got I to deal with this body of sin, but here's the great thing. He said, it can be done away with. The body of sin can be done away with, right? Because this new man has come. So I need to know I've died. And having died, I can do away with the old way of living. And he says, and I need to know this. I have been freed from sin. Now there is a difference. Hear me on this. Notice the word that he uses. You can go to the Greek, same thing. Freed is not the same as free. You can be freed and not be free. Right? You remember in, uh, what was it, January 1st? January 1st, 1863 is when President Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. But do you know why we celebrate June 19th or Juneteenth? Juneteenth was actually, in, it was Juneteenth, 1865. It was over two years later. 
that the last slaves knew and became free, even though they had been freed two years prior. There's a difference between being freed and living free. So what Paul wants you to understand, it, you'll never live free until you know you've been freed. So what Paul's trying, he's why he said, we don't continue in sin. We don't live there anymore. We don't, we don't do that. Why? Because we've been freed. Here's what Paul's saying. Something died. The body of sin's been done away with. And we've been freed. This is why we can walk in newness of life. Right? Let me give you one more verse. Galatians 2.20. So how do I do this? Well, I've got to know some things, and then I've got to have some faith. Knowing this, he said, what? Body of sin's been done. Like, I've been, you know, old man's died. Body of sin's been done away with. I've been freed. Now, I've got to know some things, but also to live in the new, I've got to have some faith. Galatians 2.20 says, for I've been crucified with Christ. What's he talking about? Old man died. Right? That old man died. What was crucified? The old man. Right? The who I used to be. That's who we take to the cross. That's why if you get saved and you just, if you get saved and nothing changes at all, you have to question, well, did I get saved? And I don't mean that to be ugly. I'm just trying to help you. Because if I got saved and if I just, let me say it another way. If I just raised my hand or prayed a prayer and then just went right back out into the world to, to do whatever I wanted to do. And live exactly like I lived before I raised my hand and prayed. I didn't get, I didn't get saved. I just said some words. Right? Because when I get saved, something dies. The body of sin is now being done away with. And I've been freed from sin. I don't have to, I don't have to live in sin anymore. So he said, I've been crucified with Christ. Look at this. I don't live any longer. No longer I live. What? But Christ lives in me. It's talking about the new man. Why? Because he said, he, he, Paul said we should be conformed to the image of Christ. He said, he said, I'm praying for you until Christ be formed in you. So what's the new man look like? We said he's renewed in knowledge to look like the one who created it. That's Colossians 3. Ephesians 4 also tells us that he looks like Christ. So it, Paul's it's the same message, it's just Galatians. It's the same idea. Right? But he's saying, I'm crucified. Something died. Something's new. Right? Something's borrowed, something's blue. No, I'm just kidding. I've been crucified. Something died. <laughs> something's new. And now the way I live, I live by Christ who lives in me. And the life I live, I live by faith. So the life I live in the body, in other words, I now have a new operating system in the flesh. It's, it's, it's now going to impact those apps and update those apps. The life I live is in the body. Yeah, but it's a new life. And I live it by faith in the Son of God. In other words, faith in the finished work of Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. So here's what Paul's saying. I have to believe that when I accepted Christ, the old man died and a new man was resurrected. I have to believe it. It's anything we receive from God is by faith. We have to believe it. I'll tell you one story. Years ago, 100 years ago or so, I was a single adult pastor. And, uh, and that's where you say, no, it could have been 100 years because you're so young. And I say, yes, you're right, I'm very young. And uh, <laughs> single adult pastor, I never get it. There was a, a, a man who came to the single adult ministry. And when he came, he was a little bit of a hot mess. Um, and I knew it. I knew there's things going on in his life that were not congruent with the Word of God at all or truth or anything, and I won't go into all his stuff because he's still a great friend of mine. I would never want to embarrass him. But I'll, I'll just give you a few because I'm not going to give you his name, and if he's watching, he probably wouldn't care anyway. 
but I never forget. I just, I, my thought was the Holy Spirit works. So he came and he started hanging out with our singles, started interacting, coming to church, all those things. Now, I knew there were a lot of things in his life. I knew that he was living with someone he wasn't married with, which don't get mad at me. According to the Bible, that's not what we do. I knew that he was hanging out in bars and clubs. I knew that he was smoking drugs. I knew all that. I just didn't say anything about it because my job's to catch them, not to clean them. Right? It's the best deal in fishing you can ever get because I've cleaned so many fish in my day. We, when I was 10, 12, I had friends. We caught so many catfish and they cleaned them. I've cleaned cat. But you know what's great? Just catch them and not have to clean them. The Holy Spirit makes you a good deal. If you'll go catch them, he'll clean them. Right? Let's not, you're not someone's Holy Spirit. You're not your spouse's Holy Spirit. <laughs> Woo! Marriage seminar. Anyways, um, so I never forget. I, we just loved on him. I preached, you know, I Bible studied and preached the truth and everything I could do. It wasn't too long. He called me. He said, Pastor. I said, yes, sir. He said, I think I'm going to have to stop smoking marijuana. Here's what I said. Why? I want to know if this is the Holy Spirit or, or someone's playing Holy Spirit. I want to know, is this conviction or condemnation? Because conviction always leads to life. Yeah. Condemnation, death. He said, I don't know. I don't enjoy it anymore. And I just, it's like God's not happy about it or something. I said, well, maybe you should quit. I mean, we want God to be happy. You know, I mean, I think God's happy all the time. I don't think God's mood changes on what we do necessarily, right? But I was like, well, we definitely want God to be pleased. But he said, okay. So wasn't too long. He called me back. He said, Pastor, I'm going to have to quit change. I'm going to have to quit spending so, many time, so much time in these clubs. I said, why? I said, it doesn't feel right. I said, well, I would just go with that then. You know, okay. Wasn't too long. About a month later, he called me, Pastor. I'm going to have to move out. I said, now I knew he was living with someone he wasn't married with. I said, why? Well, a couple things. Number one, I don't think we should be living together. Why? I don't know. I just, I don't feel like we should. He said, the other thing is she won't come to church. So there's not anything long term here. I said, oh, okay. He said, so I'm moving out. Just wanted you to pray. So I prayed. What was going on? Something had died. Something had been raised to life. And the new operating system was updating the apps. Are you with me? That's what you need to understand. That's the power of baptism. Today, if you want to be baptized, you, even if you didn't come prepared, we came prepared for you. If you feel like you need to bury the old man, we want to help you do that. But this is the power of baptism. But this, this is the power of grace. This is the power of the cross. And this is the gospel. Amen? You get in Christ, we change identities. So instead of arguing for the old man saying, well, these desires, that's who I am. This attraction, that's who I am. Why don't we say, I've got some apps that need to be updated because just because I got saved, something died, something raised, doesn't mean it's going to change every appetite immediately or change every attraction immediately. But I go back to say, but this new man is renewed in knowledge to look like Jesus. So anything that looks like, that does not look like Jesus in my life must be the flesh running an old app. And now I've got to go back and be renewed, whether it's in the spirit of my mind or renewed in my soul, but I've got to let the Holy Spirit do some cleaning, right? Are you with me? Amen. Why don't you stand with me?